Hey, Ryan, how do I get project-based learning started at my school? I've gotten some form of this question nearly every day for the last decade from engaged educators just like you. So at Magnify Learning, we've created a free download to get you started. Whether you're a superintendent, principal, coach, or teacher, go to whatispbl.com to get started on your project-based learning journey today. Are you ready to bring project-based learning to your school? The PBL Simplified Podcast will help equip you for your PBL journey with weekly need-to-knows, engaging interviews, PBL showcases from facilitators in the classroom, and PBL leadership episodes to move you towards a successful implementation of PBL. Because every learner deserves to be a part of an inspiring story, and we see daily that project-based learning helps make this happen. If you want me to answer your PBL need-to-know on the podcast, visit whatispbl.com and click on Ask Ryan to submit your question. Hello, PBL Simplified listeners. Welcome back. This is episode 94. We've got a PBL showcase today. PBL showcase is where we break down a PBL unit. We usually have teachers come in and I interview them and they kind of break down different aspects of that. Today is going to be a bit unique again, uh, but this time I brought in some teacher voices for this. This is going to be uh, a group of teachers that were participants in a PBL jumpstart. And I was able to interview them and talk to them right after, actually on the third day of their jumpstart, to get some of their thoughts. So we're going to get to hear from them. We're going to get to hear a little bit of, I used to think, but now I think from them. So we can see how their mindsets change even after three days of a really great engaged training that uses project-based learning and those protocols as the instructional model. So you get to live out PBL in a jumpstart while you create your PBL unit. So it works out really well. And it's actually going to connect to our need to know. Before we dive into that, let's um, get our need to know for today, which is, I'm a social studies teacher. How do I connect my subject matter to relevant topics now? This is something that we get often in a PBL jumpstart or even in an advanced workshop is, you know, you're teaching, you know, sometimes in ancient civilization or you're teaching early American history and we're telling you that you need it needs to solve a real world problem. And you're saying, well, I don't see how ancient Greece is really going to solve a, a real world problem. And there's two immediate answers that come to mind for me. Number one is that you are the expert, like you are the person that would know that. So if I was going to ask somebody, like, how does ancient Greece relate to kids today in your classroom? I say, well, you're the perfect person to ask. So let me ask you, like, how how does it? become relevant? How could you make that relevant for kids today so that they'd be more engaged and that you can jump into some employability skills, bring in community partners? And whenever I ask that question, just tweak it like that a little bit, and we just spend time looking at that, we find almost every time that that social studies teacher can figure out a way to, in fact, connect that subject area they were talking about to kids' lives today and something that's happening in the real world. So, you know, it might be that the struggles that happened in ancient Greece or the democracy that they were working through, and now you can relate that to the democracy today and what that republic looks like. That gets way over my head in the social studies area, but that's how that process works. You look at your standards, look at your content, say, how do the thought processes, the mindset, the things that people are going through then relate to our time today? And if you do that, We find most of the time our social studies teachers come up with very engaging PBL units. The next roadblock that comes up for social studies is often community partners. 
say, yes, I want to have a World War II veteran come in. Well, that's getting to be pretty tough. So if you can do that project still, right on, like do it. But I would also like, don't let that be your hurdle, right? Like you can't bring in someone from ancient Greece, but you can bring in someone from your local historical society, or you can bring in a World War II expert. It doesn't have to be somebody from the Smithsonian either. It could be somebody locally, or maybe even someone you know in your network, or a parent that has a decent amount of knowledge on World War II. Like, you just need more than an eighth grader, right? So, if they can do that, then they can be your local expert. So, there are ways that you can start to integrate your community partners as well. Again, local historical societies are a great way to do that because you have uh, a nonprofit director in there somewhere or volunteers that are really passionate about that work. So you can bring them in and it's local so your learners can start to apply their work right away in their local area. So social studies teachers, you've got a great in. So that need to know, um, we can knock it out of the park, right? So once we really dive into it, um, you can find ways. And in fact, it's really important that you do that in your content area and that we have these informed citizens, which is often uh, what our social studies teachers are really looking for. If you say, you know, like what's the ideal graduate in terms of social studies is we want to have informed, active, engaged citizens. Well, let's start to bring those things into your social studies class, your global class, whatever that is, and you know, maybe integrate that with another English class and create a humanities piece. Right? So there are a lot of different ways to do it. It's a great need to know. And just like a lot of these need to knows, if you can separate them out, maybe have somebody else just ask you that question and you think through it, you're often the best person to be answering that question. So that's our need to know today. Let's jump into our PBL showcase. Our PBL showcase today, you're going to get to hear the voices of some will be social studies teachers, which will relate right to our need to know, which I love. Um, But I also want you to hear from their voices what it is they used to think about project-based learning. And after a three-day workshop, their PBL jumpstart, what do they now know about project-based learning? Because at this point in the education universe, everybody's heard about project-based learning and you've heard something, maybe from another colleague or a friend, your great uncle, like somebody has said something about project-based learning. And so everybody has some kind of a preconceived notion, right? For better or worse. So what we do is in a workshop is we start to bring those need to knows out right away because we want to get those out there. Like, what is it that you've heard? What do you think are going to be some barriers? Okay, well, let's tell you what it really is. And what we see is a lot of times that mindset changes or it gets stretched or things are suddenly possible that maybe seemed impossible before. Uh, So you're going to hear, I used to think, but now I think, from teachers that are on their third day of a PBL jumpstart. They're just getting ready to present their PBL unit to community partners and administrators and other teachers in their district. And I pulled them out and just said, give me a quick, used to think, now I think. So here they are. Hi, I'm Christine Guthrie. I am a technology integration specialist. I used to think PBL was engaging, and now I know it's empowering. I have a structure to engage 21st century skills while empowering lifelong learning. Hi, I'm Ethan Ropel, and I teach third grade. I used to think PBL was centered around a project, but now I think that PBL is centered around a solution. 
Hello, my name is Carl Van Dunk, and I teach U.S. history and modern world history and sociology. I used to think that this was going to be stressful and hard for the students and myself, but now I think it will be a good process to use to engage students and help empower them as learners. My name is Kristen Braden, and I teach fifth grade science and math. I used to think PBL would make it hard to hit our standards, but now I think I'll just hit them in a more meaningful way. I love just hearing their authentic voices. I literally put this exact microphone that I'm using just in front of them in an empty classroom and said, go. I used to think, now I think. And these are teachers that might be just like you or like your staff, school building leader, that had some preconceived notions about PBL, but had never really done it. They'd never really dabbled even. It was just, hey, here's this PBL training. Who wants to do something new for engagement? That's what they were doing. These are teachers out of Maryland. And they had an initiative called RISE, and it was all about rising student engagement. How do we bring up that student engagement? And these teachers said yes. And they jumped in. And in three days of living out the PBL process of running through the protocols, creating a PBL unit in their content area and their grade level specifically for their learners, that's what you get out of them. Like, isn't that great? Like Ethan, who's a third grade teacher, says... You know, I used to think it was, you know, you know, you you made a project, but now it's around the solution, which I just love the learning that he did during those three days, because what he was doing was it's not just taking my kids through this project. It's they're actually going to solve a real world problem. Like he got into that, right? Christine was the first one, I think, that you heard. And she's talking about the 21st century skills, the empowering structure of PBL. Like it's there. It's more than just a project. And I loved Carl's language of, and this was new language for him, but it's this mindset work that happens over three days. That's why if you ask for a one-day PBL workshop, we're probably going to tell you no. Like we've got some warm-up ones that we can do before a three-day, but you can't do the mindset work in just one day. But in three days, Carl can move from, and this is going to be stressful, it's going to be new, to I'm going to have learners, not just students, not just pupils, not just teenagers that have to be there, but learners, like that's a transformation. Kristen, who said it might be hard to hit the standards. Now she says I can hit the standards in a meaningful way. She had such a neat journey in the three days. She did the first day with us in a PBL jumpstart and found out literally that night that she was moving from being a math teacher to a science teacher in fifth grade. So she came in on day two and said, well, I've got to scrap my project from yesterday, my PBL unit from yesterday, because now I'm teaching a whole different subject area. But I'm fired up. Let's do it. Right? Like she was already fired up. Can you imagine working all day, you know, a seven hour day, you create this PBL unit, and then you've got to scrap it the next day. But she was fired up. Like she was growth mindset. She was involved. She knew it was going to be good for her learners. And she really at this point would tell you that she can't think of another way to teach at this point. So if she's going to do science, she's still going to do it in a PBL fashion, right? Like she wants it to be engaging. She wants it to be meaningful and authentic for her learners. So she actually scrapped her PBL unit that she had on day one, created a great one for two on day two, and then had the confidence to present it on day three to an authentic audience. So I've got four more teachers I want you to hear from. Uh, same thing. I used to think, but now I think. And these, you're going to notice a theme. You're going to notice for them, they had some things they used to think about PBL, but now the community partnership aspect is something that 
they really see as valuable and becomes a cornerstone of PBL. Hi, I'm Maggie Wilkos. I teach high school Spanish. I used to think PBL focused just on project assignments with a specific job and teamwork working in the content. Now, I think it is about community partnerships and getting students to hone all skills to be successful beyond school. My name is Jackie Gein. I teach middle school social studies. I used to think PBL was just creating projects for students to do instead of traditional worksheets or activities. Now I know it's much more than that, and it's about the community. My name is Devin Page. I'm an instructional technology specialist. I used to think that project-based learning was any type of, quote, long-term project, unquote. But now I think slash understand that project-based learning has specific protocols, including community engagement. My name is Kelly McLaughlin, and I work in Southern Maryland as a secondary high school teacher in the area of world history. I used to think that grades were important. Now, I think that grades aren't as important as providing students with organic and authentic opportunities to demonstrate their learning. Boom! Organic and authentic opportunities to demonstrate their learning. I love that outcome that Kelly has, again, from a three-day workshop. But it's mindset work. It's like I come in thinking one thing. We get you fired up, up, fired up about your why. And once you do that, like why are you in education? Now you see PBL as this vehicle to help you live out your why and teachers just jump in over and over again. So if you're a principal listening to this, and I know you are, like as the leader of your building, one of the funny things is you really don't want to have, especially a three-day professional development, that's not good, right? That's it's lame. It doesn't apply. Your teachers leave and they're kind of grumpy. They're like, okay, I did this, but I hope I got paid. And I hope we have a good lunch tomorrow. That's not what you're hearing from these teachers. You're hearing, Devin says there's specific protocols that include community partners, but he's fired up. He thought it was just a long-term project. Now in three days, he realizes that this is something that you can get fired up about. That's how teachers leave a PBL jumpstart because they've created something in their content area, in their grade level. They made it. Like their blood, sweat, and tears are in that. So the mindset happens, but they also leave with this, I suppose, physical thing that they've created. You know, it's a Google form maybe, or Google Slides or whatever they put it in, but they can see it. They can see this four-week PBL unit. They can see what the learners are going to do, that they're going to be engaged because they've felt it. They've felt the protocols themselves. They felt the process of need-to-knows and workshops. So they know that it's going to be transformational for their learners. So when you hear Jackie say, well, I used to think that, you know, it was just projects instead of worksheets. Like that could happen a lot, right? If we talk PBL and say, oh, well, you're not doing worksheets then. I don't care if you're doing worksheets. I want you to have a meaningful PBL unit. So those worksheets better be scaffolding, right? That leads you towards this authentic end. Jackie comes out with, well, now I think it's about community, right? It's about community partnerships. You hear Maggie say the same thing. You have these community partnerships to build new skills that really you can't build otherwise, right? If you're not involved with a community partner, you just can't get the authentic employability skills that a PBL unit will get for you. So in this PBL showcase, we, I took some of the participants from this PBL Jumpstart in Maryland and just said, hey, would you come over and do, I used to think, but now I think. And I, I, I love it. It's just, it's a fun protocol. It's a quick one, but you get to see how participants are processing. And they didn't just label like 
small resources that they got from us, but although you get a ton of resources, they didn't talk about like that they got a four-week unit created and built and scaffolding and rubrics and all these pieces together. What they talked about is, hey, I've got a different mindset for my classroom. Like that's exciting. Because the work that like Maggie was doing, like they took like an advocacy class that the whole school was doing and they revamped it to be engaging and a way to bring in PBL and invite other teachers into it. So they're talking about movement type stuff here. So I just can't figure out how to get it through this microphone to you that the excitement that comes at the end of a PBL jumpstart because we're living the PBL process in the actual training. And that's what's going to happen in the classrooms. And your teachers can see it. They can see that what we did in this training is different than other trainings. And that this instructional model is going to be different in their classroom than it is with other instructional models or other curriculums. They can start to see that and then they live it out. So this next year, they're going to live that out. And then we're going to come back next summer and we're going to do a PBL advanced. And we're going to go deeper. We're going to be able to talk with them, these same teachers, about curriculum maps about rigor, about community partners 2.0. Like how do you bring them into workshops now, right? Once they've worked through this with learners, they're going to have new need to knows. Actually, in this workshop, we didn't, I don't think any of them were on here, maybe, but we had a lot of AP teachers in here that were teaching advanced placement courses. So we've got one teacher that Amy's going to be looking at specific standards where she built a PBL unit around a specific AP standard. And we're actually going to track that to see if she sees growth in that specific area of her AP course that we brought in PBL. Isn't that cool? Like, so we're going to bring in that research. So when that, when that PBL unit gets knocked out of the park in her AP standards as she tracks that, then we're going to revamp the whole thing, right? But that's where she needed to start. So that's where we started, right? So she's going to ooch in exactly where she wants to. She's going to see how our learners take this and AP level, and then we're going to continue to run with it. Gosh, it's really exciting. Really, really exciting. So I hope you came along with me on this PBL showcase. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but you've got that teacher voice in there that I think is so important. I love this protocol. It's real easy to do. Building leaders, you can do this after a PD. If you make sure it's something transformational, right? So as I used to think, now I think. And you can really start to gauge where your people are at after you've had some transformative conversations and experiences to see how things are changing. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. We had a great need to know talking to social studies teachers. Yes, you're super important. We want you to take your subject matter related to authentic problems in the world today so we can have great conversations and our learners can become competent, engaged citizens. And when you start to take on project-based learning at a building level, classroom level, your mindset starts to change and the culture of your classrooms and building changes too, which is why we end every episode that once you do this, you're going to engage your learners, tackle boredom, and transform your classrooms. <laughs>